What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Ricky Watts. He joins us via Skype from his studio in the Bay Area. We talk Istanbul, history in person, customs, loving tags, graffiti magazines, murals. I could have said graffiti mags there and it would have rhymed, but then I feel like it would have sounded silly if I rhymed it. But just accidentally, I could have, I wrote down graffiti mags as one of the things that we talked about. Uh, we talked space rainbows, MFK, zero friends, trails, breaking the rules, AI, and Carmen San Diego. So as always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com. You'll see the link for the podcast over there. It's MikeMaxwellArt.com slash LFP if you want to just go directly to the site. Uh, you can get all the information about the artists there. You can click on the little iTunes icon up in the right-hand corner, uh, which will take you to the iTunes store. And you can download, subscribe, rate the show. Go over there and click the stars and then um, leave a comment in there. It makes iTunes like me more. Um, big ups. Make Everybody go follow. And if you listen to the podcast, go follow Producer Lex on Twitter at Producer Lex. Uh, Ricky Watts is also on the Twitter at Ricky Watts. It's R-I-C-K-Y-W-A-T-T-S. Um, you could donate to the show and do all that fun stuff. Uh, so let's just jump right into this thing. I, I don't have, uh, am I promoting anything? I got a show coming up, which actually this, I got a show in, uh, Nashville, Tennessee coming up in November at the Octane Gallery. So check the face, check my Facebook and Twitter at Mike Maxwell Art, and Instagram is the same. I think for producer Lex has uh, his Instagram is axe underscore Castaneda. Should be producer Lex. I think I, I should put together a live free podcast Twitter or um, we have the Twitter for the podcast, but uh, uh, Instagram. I, I haven't done any Instagram stuff. I just posted all that stuff through mine. I don't know. It's a pain in the ass to sign out of the one phone and. Or the one Instagram and sign in the other. So I don't fucking I don't know, um, but you get the point. Go follow the podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Just click those links on uh, the website, and you'll get all that shit ready to go. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Ricky Watts. Producer Lex, we're back again. What's going on, man? It's good to start the podcast off with a laugh. Yeah. Even if the people don't know why we're laughing. That's true. You can refer to the last episode. We're going heavy today, recording yeah. multiple episodes in one day. So we're back again. Yep. We're going to um, talk to Ricky Watts here in a little bit. But before we started, before we got ready to do this podcast, just inadvertently you mentioned that you wish that we were the uh, sort of modern day interpretation of aliens. Yeah. like Where that. we just had like a natural skin that we could just mob. Yeah, I'm public with. Yeah, yeah. I'd totally be down for that. Yeah, and you said that you were like jealous of your yeah, dogs yeah. for just being. Listen, you and I are the type of dudes that don't have much upkeep to get out the door. <laughs> I would assume. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We look similar, you know, t-shirt, shorts, bearded face. It's yeah, yeah. not a ton of upkeep. So, yeah. putting clothes on is it is, is it a laziness thing or does it is it like an efficiency thing? I think it's more of a lazy thing yeah. instead of me thinking it's efficiency. <laughs> yeah, because the efficiency, I could see that. If we had, like, wetsuit skin that just sort of, like, either absorbed water or pushed it off yeah, or, yeah. like, didn't get dirty. But I bet aliens get dirty if they're what they <laughs> yeah. look like. Yeah, I yeah, bet yeah. if they, like, 
were wrestling in the grass, they would get grass stains on their little. Yeah, I had an argument already in my in my mind already got <laughs> up about that. Is that the fact that they're already making stuff that's easier for you to use anyways? Why don't they just go all out and make the skin? Yeah, but then it just when you asked me and I referred to it being a lazy thought. Yeah. Well, you know, who knows? Maybe technology will catch up like that. Like all the little nanobots will like recreate your skin for you. That'd be opposed, dope, yeah, I, I bet we could see that. I, you know, it could happen. Like regenerating. Would be so awesome though? You wouldn't have to like say if you were being attacked by an intruder and you broke into your house. All you got to do is just get up out of your bed and get out the window. Yeah. Not even worrying about clothes or anything. Oh, I Shoes. see what you're saying. That's what. So, like, a, in, the, you know, in case already, of emergency, you're already protected. Well, couldn't you really do that anyway? I know it's not really socially accepted, but well, I figured if you're asleep and it's not really, not really looked upon. Hey, you know how we had Aaron on the podcast and we talked about how penises are never. In yeah, movies? yeah, yeah. Uh, I just watched a movie that had a bunch of penis in it. Isn't it disturbing? Well, you know, what? I think they used a fake dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can't have the real one, but you know the fake yeah, one. Totally well, it was okay. huge. Dude had a huge dick, and it was like a fucking horse dick. <laughs> well, it was one of the like the people who did. Um, it's like a, a Judd Apatow uh, produced film. I forget what it is. What it was called. Uh, it was uh, Jennifer Aniston and one of the guys that's always in all his movies. Like, end up at this like commune. Okay. Anyway, uh, they end up at a commune like. Uh, Will Smith's movie? No, 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 no. no. Anyhow, so there, there are films out there that have penis in them. Yeah, if that's what you're looking for, <laughs> just seems rare. As not, you know, there's a lot of titties. I don't think shit. there's a yeah. I don't think there's a sell point. Like we have penises in our movie. Man, I was listening to a bunch of REM yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And um, the song, I forget what the title is. It's one of their more popular songs, but it's not like one of the popular songs. It. uh Michael Stipe is dancing around in tights, like kind of like Mick Jagger ish, mm-hmm. like, and it's from the '80s. And then he has three chicks all dancing around with their tops off too. And I really I couldn't figure out if it was artsy or, um, like, if he was just like making fun of himself or if he thought he was like really serious. And then there was <laughs> it was two white chicks and they had their titties out, but the video on MTV yeah, yeah. was always blocked out. They always like did the big black box across yeah. it. But then there there was a black chick too. And she had pasty, like, sticker things over her nipples for some reason. Just strange, but well, anyway. Well, so, on to that. I guess we should call Ricky now. All right. All right, let's give uh, Mr. Ricky Watts a call. Hello? Mr. Ricky Watts, what's up, brother? Mike Maxwell, how you doing? I'm good, man. Good. Let's see, there you are. What's up? Here I am. Hey, much, uh, I want to right off the bat thank you for... Uh, Finally, actually, I should thank myself. We've, we've we really <laughs> this is a day of thanking myself and really patting myself on the back. No, we, you and I have been trying to get this podcast together for it, it seems like months now, and it just it, our schedules have been off by like like maybe hours, yeah. <laughs> like with six hour periods. I, the last time we were get we almost got one together. You were like literally getting on a plane to go to istanbul is that yes. that's the most recent trip you were just on i think it was the last time we tried to get on how was that oh that was incredible uh absolutely amazing uh i was there for nine days i went out there uh for a wedding 
actually oh um, shit it's <laughs> how stereotypically funny is that like the movie like scene where you know the all of a sudden you get the invitation i'm going to Istanbul. It, i think there was a seinfeld <laughs> episode like that wasn't there yeah yeah they, uh, probably yeah, yeah. They, they all had like is the, <laughs> it's like something that drives a lot of people crazy but it, what what a awesome opportunity for an experience so i would assume it, it yeah it was so inspiring and uh the food was incredible the people uh were really great and i mean the city is is ancient you know and so seeing stuff that was built by the romans and uh going and checking out all the uh mosques and all the architecture it was just very surreal do you get a sense of like it's of that history it's, i find that you when you're oh, yeah. in the environment even you know so much more so than if you're just like looking at a picture of a place Totally, you can almost yeah. feel like the history there. Like I was talking about this recently about when I seeing Van Gogh's work in person. Like there, and I was talking about like art that was inspiring or whatever. And like I haven't felt like a weird emotion like that in a long time. Like all of a sudden, like I felt like a weird sense of history. Like just seeing the piece in person. Absolutely. So yeah. I guess that's sort of you know that's a long history of culture in Istanbul. What's it? Is it um? What's the environment like? Because I know, you know, within the uh, Middle East, there's a lot of tension. You yeah, know? it's, uh, you know, it's very, um, it's very, uh, I guess, it's very Western culture yeah, there. Yeah, um, You know, and so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of Europeans and a lot of Middle Easterns and a lot of Africans. And uh, it, it was actually really cool to kind of check out. Uh, we were there right when the Syria thing was, was starting to heat up. Yeah, uh, but uh, but people don't realize that Turkey is about the same size as the U.S. And so we were way over on like the the western side of it, and the Syrian border is uh, kind of like the Gulf of Mexico, you know. And so yeah. we really didn't have any issues or anything like that. Um, uh, the hardest part was actually getting home. Uh, we were questioned by by the U.S. Customs uh, as to why we were in Turkey, and you know, it was actually. Uh, pretty funny. It took us about, uh, I don't know, it was like a 10-minute conversation with the customs guards about, you know, why we were there and what we were bringing back and all this. Did you feel like it was like an invasion of your privacy to some extent? Or uh, I, I kind of feel justified? I felt a little insulted, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because here I am, this American citizen, and, and, and it, was, it was a lot easier to get into Turkey than it was to get back into the U.S., yeah, and I mean sure. we we see that even going to Tijuana. And I did you grow up down here in Southern California? I know that you spent some time down here, right? I grew up in the Bay Area, but yeah, I, I went to art school uh, down there. Uh, I lived in San Diego from 2000 till about 2003. That was kind of a cool a cool time period for San Diego art. There was a lot of stuff going. Well, I get like two the year 2000 was pretty awesome, but then it, it was absolutely. I feel yeah. like everything changed. 2001 a lot of especially I, I talk about it too much on the podcast but like <laughs> you know a lot of shit happened so let's let's jump back a little bit so you went you grew up in in san francisco i grew up uh, about an hour north of san francisco in this uh town called petaluma we were just saying producer lex is over here to my right Went on can't see him on the screen Are, is my is our video on uh, i us? can't see you no. oh that's some bullshit <laughs> <laughs> man i've been making it there easy on myself yeah there we go sorry about that it's okay no so there's producer lex he's uh doing? on the screen so taking care of business so yeah we were saying how like whenever anybody just says bay area we just automatically assume 
San Francisco. Yep. <clears throat> we just talked to um, John Casey a little earlier, and nice. he's out in Oakland. And yeah. we just make the assumption Bay Area, San Francisco. But I guess it's, it's really like a combination of all these smaller areas. But is uh, was was growing up in that area, uh, did you have some art inspiration early before uh, like going to art school? Yeah, I've always done art ever since I was a kid. Um, yeah. When I was really little, my mom used to draw my name in these bubble letters. Uh, <laughs> and then I would color them in and... And that was kind of my first real uh, memory of doing art. Um, but being so close to San Francisco and to Oakland that uh, when I really started getting into art in my teenage years, uh, it was just a bus ride away. You know, it was yeah. really close. So, yeah. you, Did you get involved in the graffiti culture? Because I know your work is, is your, your fine art work is mostly spray paint based. That's accurate, right? Are you, are you doing paint? Are you doing brush and like acrylic or? Uh, I do a little bit of acrylic. Most of it is uh, is illustration work uh, with watercolor and uh, like Copic art marker, uh, and then I also do uh, some spray paint stuff as well. And that uh, really ties back to to my teenage years of yeah. spray painting and doing graffiti and um, and that stuff. So that was that something that sort of like I feel it's a, it's it, it's a fairly common story now. You know, like. It's funny, isn't it? There, yeah, it's like, I think it was for a lot of probably people around our age, like in the 90s, like an, a, an act of rebellion. Like it was sort of like, it seemed like it became a lot, and I don't know if it's just because you get wrapped up in a culture, but it seemed like it became uh, people's punk rock, you know, like it because there wasn't like a new form of music or something. And not that it was a new form of, of art or whatever like obviously graffiti had been happening through the 80s and throughout human history really but like in the modern context but something like happened in the 90s where like it elevated its game like it evolved and like it seemed like a lot of young teen angst go goes into it yeah. and i and i don't know that it always like it gets so mistaken for like gang activity which of course there there is that element um right in street graffiti like and P- I, I think a lot of people don't even re- like most people don't realize the difference between like a straight up gang graffiti and then like a writer who also belongs to a crew which c- in some forms could be considered a gang like right. there, there's those weird sort of dichotomies because there's always <laughs> like the gangster element I and mean, i know around here at least I, like i could speak on that yeah and most people associate one with the other i mean it's all just one uh, it's all bunched into the same thing. I do. I talk about like how people have no idea how awesome tags are. Like everyone <laughs> just shits on them all the time. Like no matter who you're talking to, like the people could love art and they could even like love like throw ups or like as long as it's like in a safe environment. But as soon as you talk about tags, people all of a sudden think that there's no credibility to the technique that it takes to do tags. Like, like you could ask somebody and they won't know the difference between a good tag and a bad tag. Right. But it's clearly obvious that one is hyper skilled. Like and it's so funny. It's like there's no difference between that and thinking that somebody who does calligraphy has a certain amount of talent. Like it's exactly the same just because people can't read it or they see it as vulgar because of its uh medium, because of where it's expressed itself at, you know, like in the people's right. face and like on people's property and then like a form of destruction but the craftsmanship 
gets lost on so many people it bums me out like i love fucking with people that like go like oh i love this but i don't like that and then i like like question them on it and they don't know why they just say oh like that's shitty but it looks like a kid could do that but they have no fucking idea Right. A well-executed tag is one of my favorite things in the entire world. Seriously. Like, when I go to San Francisco, it's inundated with visual stimuli all over the place. And what gets most of my attention is the manholes on the street that have the little plaques that always have little whiteout tags on them. Uh Like, that little, you know, I I think I'm a little autistic in my, like, in my (laughs) attention. (laughs) So, like, I kind of look for that shit, but... Like, those are the things that really stand out to me. And people are so, like, especially, like, the enthusiasts of the, air quote, street art movement, you know? Like, there's a disconnect for people. And I love, like, I love having these types of conversations with people who, you know, have found themselves in both environments, you know? Which a lot of times people do, except for, like, not that many people go out tagging. True. Which more people should just write on shit like the empowerment of even it doesn't even have to be anything. You could just like write a positive message or whatever on some random people. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's empowering and people have no idea. Yeah. So was that sort of a catalyst for you? I know it's a catalyst for a lot of people to like start like you you start doing things. You become aware of what's happening around you. You know, you start seeing different art in different forms. Uh, Does that inspire you to start making things more often? Uh, yes. At the time, anyway, you know? Yeah. I was really inspired, and, um, really, I started doing graffiti as a way to fit in, because my friends were doing it, it was the cool thing to do, it was something that I could, um, I had already started doing art, and so I could be good at doing this, because it was kind of art-based, um, and, uh, yeah, so it really kind of became, it became the catalyst to, to doing art, and to really, um, uh, kind of learning and exploring more and and really kind of figuring shit out you know yeah i um I just reconnected on Facebook with my homie who was the first person like I, I guess I was probably like I had seen graffiti and shit like on the trolley line in San Diego, but it was very right. rare. I lived in the East county, so right. very rare and but there was a lot of graffiti writers in the San Diego area came out of the East county. So my my buddy who I just reconnected with on Facebook after like 15 years of being out of high school or whatever, he uh, he was the one I told him like I I owe you a debt of gratitude because he was the one who would bring in graffiti magazines that like were like stuff from Europe and like random stuff from the Bay that like were little like little tiny zines with shit that I looked at and was like holy fuck and you know like I would sit in the back of the class and just draw everything that I saw in the book like as a way to fucking figure out what the fuck was going on and saw Absolutely. all these things that basically ended up inspiring me to move into a creative field. And so I was like, I owe you a debt of gratitude. You inadvertently helped me like find this path that, you know, maybe I would have found on my own, but like helped jumpstart me in a direction that really actually did lead me to here. Like just bringing a magazine into an English class that I didn't pay attention to anyway like really set a path, and like I, I generally wanted to, genuinely wanted to thank him. Like it's, it's yeah, an important that, thing. Uh, it, it's funny because I've got that same exact story where somebody in my my math class brought in a graph mag and it just blew my mind. And I spent the rest of the year just you know copying those pieces and 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 really kind of uh, just digging on like all that. 
know it's sure. a crazy story and it's it yeah. runs like amongst a lot of different people like it, it seems to be like a, a center jumping point and i'm kind of interested in seeing what might be a new type of jumping point you know like it seems like it's evolved in obviously writing and doing graffiti is different than street art but we've seen this sort of evolution of just writing your name and and using spray paint into all these different other mediums and we see how many people are now able to go and do a lot of mural work which you've sort of been become pretty known for that i guess is that is that fair to say like i know you did that big piece on the theater yeah um, um you just yeah, did the outside then, lands things do you feel like that's a part of like your identity in at some point now uh mural work uh yeah i definitely um I've been doing them for a while now, and so yeah, yeah I, I um I really enjoy doing them, and and the size uh, scale is really always uh, fun for me. You know, doing really big work and then going back and looking at it later and thinking, "Holy shit, that's really big!" Yeah, it's you weird know, to do it, that, right? Yeah, was that really was that theater piece one of the bigger pieces that you've done? Uh, by far, yeah. yeah. That was about uh, five stories tall by know, sixty feet wide. So yeah, it was definitely. Uh, it was quite an undertaking. How do you yeah. how do you break that down? Do you are you like the <laughs> are you like the mathematic type that can sort of figure everything out? Like you know, get a good sense of what is going to happen. I I feel like your your work has a sort of sense of freedom to it that yes. maybe it doesn't have to have certain rules that you may be able to adapt to what you're doing. Maybe maybe we should talk about uh, the sort of work that you're doing. Um, I feel like you have a couple different things in terms of when you're working in the illustration form yeah. and I think your outdoor work and some of your art and installations like your fine art stuff has a, a, a looseness and a sense of freedom that's a, a little different, I guess. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's kind of the, yeah, it's very polar opposite. You know, I, uh, the big uh, spray paint works that I do are very uh, free and they're very spontaneous and there's very little planning that actually goes into doing them. Uh, usually I start uh, in one uh, location and then it just kind of builds off of itself. Uh, and that's a lot of fun for me, you know, because I can really kind of just let go and I don't have to worry about, you know, making sure that that it looks, I don't know, accurate or that the line work is is perfect, you know. it's. Um, but even then, like, you, you you use a lot of very straight, clean lines you know and i'm sure like I, I bet to you like your lines feel like they wobbly and, and like sure. aren't perfect but right. i feel like to the observer you make a, a bunch of really straight lines with spray paint it seems very difficult uh yeah it's kind of a sick game that i like to play with myself <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's this uh, obsession with uh you know trying to be perfect and um just really kind of pushing myself to get uh uh, to get the most precise line um, with with just doing a freehand too. I mean, with the uh, spray paint stuff, there's no stenciling or, or masking involved. Which is very, yeah. even with modern day spray paint, which is much easier to use than right. before, there's right. still a, le like you get a mist, the wind comes and just blows some of the spray onto the other spot. It seems like they're very crisp lines. I guess if, you, yeah. you know, I, if I were to explain it, it would be... Uh, sort of monochromatic waves, maybe light waves, maybe there's sort of fluidity. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a sort of abstract monochromatic uh, 
wave yeah, Saber action? called them uh, space rainbows. Space and so rainbows? I thought, yeah, I thought that, I thought that, that was kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. And so it just kind of stuck. Space rainbows? <laughs> space rainbows, yeah. I like that. So how do you feel? Like, I, I was just having this conversation about, like, the difference between making the work that you know makes you money and then making the things that really like makes you happy or is fun or is more entertaining do you feel this like unbridled sort of natural fluid type of painting gives do you feel more rewarded from that than say the more strict illustration because i mean you do some very like fine line even like figurative i i I enjoy like the architecture stuff a lot of like bay area architecture like really detailed drawings I, it feels like that's a very big departure and and i understand that i guess from a person who likes to experiment with a lot of different things like and even like playing with abstraction and doing figurative work at the same time like i have a show up right now that like people think it's like a i'm i'm in a group it's, it's a two-person show but they think it's like three or four people because I I have so many different ways that I like to go about things, <laughs> and part yes. of, and part of that is because I'm a working artist and I'm trying to make money, you know. Because I know what kind of sells, like what work of mine, you know, has a tendency to sell more often than the other things that I just like to experiment with. But I still have to do both of those. But and then on, on the other hand, I also do like illustration work for other people, which feels like shit a lot of the times. Like not like the work is shit, but it just doesn't feel as fun. So, do you yeah. have for it, being able to work in these different types of mediums and different environments? Do you have one here? Let's play the game again. So with John Casey, we yeah. um, we made him play um, uh, Mary Fuck Kill with either drawing, sculpture, or painting. So let's see if we could let's see if we can figure out. So for you, um, your your fine art work, like so the spray paint work, mural stuff, and fine art is one. Uh, the like poster illustration stuff, like you just did the outside lands thing. I saw was super right. sick. Um, Thank you. So let's say that one, and then uh, what would be the third thing? Uh, we need one more. What else do you do? I do graphic design as well. So let's say that digital work, yeah. spray paint work, and then I, I assume you do some hand. Is the is like the illustration stuff hand done? And then it is. yeah, okay. Yeah. So there's the three. Which one? Put them in order. Which one do you marry? Fuck kill. So it's like which one's best? Like one, two, or three? You know what I mean? Like put them in order. So, but you gotta either. Uh, I would say illustration. Uh, you would marry illustration, so that's number one. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, spray paint would be two, and graphic design would be three. Yeah, I totally agree yeah. with you, one hundred percent. Yeah. Winner, you win. So, <laughs> <laughs> which one is? I I feel like you know. I think I. I think I became familiar with your stuff through the Zero Friends guys. I think I know Alex has been on the show, yeah. and I know him a little bit. We've through comic-con and that sort of thing you're friends with all those guys or are you guys from the same area i know um i met alex actually through graffiti about god over 10 years ago now um and uh we've always stayed in touch and we've gone on on road trips together and we've done uh different projects together which have been really cool uh and then uh when zero friends kind of started uh 
I wouldn't say taking on new members, but when the collective kind of started forming, it's a um, cult, right? Yeah, it's a cult over there. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, like a weird bunny head <laughs> um, cult. We did a show uh, <laughs> together back in uh, January, and so um, I think that was when I really got involved with them. And I think uh, Damon Soul's also been on the show, and I feel like. I kind of have you connected with him. Maybe you guys did some shows together or something. Yeah, uh, Damon Soul, uh, Mars One, and Oliver Vernon uh, did a show in uh, in Petaluma, and I was uh, a part of the show. But my connection to the show was doing that big mural on the side of the theater. Oh, okay, uh, and I yes. feel like your work kind of fits in with the sort of ethereal kind of. You you mentioned space before, and I I don't think your work looks similar, but it feels like it could have. Like I know, like sure. Damon likes to get all psychedelic and shit. Is is this is like these psychedelic sort of states of mind a part of any of this stuff for you? Is um, I'm not you know tripping while I'm painting them, but uh, no, yeah, right. You know, but it's certainly like a. Um, I mean, because there's let me I'll, I'll mention the piece behind you. It has yeah. like a trails sort of feel to it. So, like, right. for people who have never been on LSD or anything, <laughs> if you looked at somebody who was waving their hand, it would look like there was, like, four or five, six hands coming in behind it. So, it's almost like a slow motion sort of, like, action shot happens when looking at things. And it's very, it's one of the, like, key aspects of LSD that makes it so fun. And so, I think, like, some of these, like, particularly the one behind you has, like, that sort of... Uh, wave pattern this sort of psychedelic sort of thing going on like trails and you know what i haven't taken lsd in probably at least 10 years maybe like around there and i could still sometimes see trails off shit like <laughs> certain lights or something like if you go past like a like an overhang light or like a the green signs like for the freeway signs sometimes it's like yeah. And for some reason, trails make that sound. That's the un- if you say if you make that sound to anybody who's tripped on LSD, you just go. They know exactly what that is in reference to. But so it, it does. And does any of that sort of play into the stuff that you're making? Uh, it never really started off as a um, as a psychedelic thing. It, it was just more of a um, it was more of an obsession with uh, with color. And um, I loved uh, spray painting, but I kind of wanted to experiment. It, I, I kind of wanted to experiment with with the paint without the letters, you know. And, and yeah. so I kind of took the letter form out of um, of the art of spray painting and just said, "Well, what if I take these colors and kind of put them all together, and then see w- what happens if I do that with you know four or five different colors, you know, um, having." five shades of each color and then what can I do and in the patterns and the different things that I can do. Do you think it's like, do you think people can connect to it easier that way? Like, it's funny, like you could basically have the same mindset as doing like letters on a wall, you know, using your patterning and color form and, you know, like gradient use, but it's, it's almost, I don't. I'm saying I'm going to use the phrase "easier to digest," even though I feel like that sounds almost insulting, and I don't mean it to be like that. But like sure. that, it, it becomes easier for people to deal with on their day to day for some reason. Yeah, uh, I would agree with you. That. Know, like out on the street, it's it's very strange that the letter form can cause such a like an uproar. It can cause such emotion out of people. Isn't it a trip? Yeah, yeah. Really I don't is. get it at all. Yeah. And it ha- yeah. I don't know, it, must, it has to be built into something, like some past fear or emotion of some sort. 
but I have no idea what it is. I don't know. Maybe it's ingrained. What is it that causes people to have such an adverse reaction to a tag on like a door? Like, I wonder if they even know besides like, that's my property. Yeah, I think. But it seems more than that. It's like they just, they were taught that it was wrong at a young age and it just has been ingrained in their mind. And so it doesn't matter what it is. It's, it's, it's all associated with the same thing and it's all kind of bunched into the the same group. That's a good point. I feel like people who do graffiti a lot of times defy their parents at a young age. Uh-huh. And I think people who are afraid of breaking rules are also the people that did exactly what their parents told them to do, like all through their <laughs> young life and adult, young adulthood. And probably even now, like if their parents say jump, they say how high instead of like why. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's a creative sort of, at least it, that's, I just, again, project everything onto everybody else. But I feel like that's a thing that happens. Like, people who defy authority figures at a young age are more apt to continue that path and not like just accept things that are told to them. And graffiti writers are doing that exact thing. I feel like a lot of times it's like, it's about saying, fuck your rules, fuck what society thinks. I'm going to take a hold of something that I can control in my own life and, and do it to the, the fullest. And, you know, I guess I think, People get concerned. People get uncomfortable when there's the one person who speaks out against what everybody sees as the mainstream, right? But even but now it's like we're so far removed from, like things are mainstream now. Like, you got a motorcycle gang in the neighborhood. I know, right? That was a little. uh, Yeah, you could hear that, huh? Oh yeah, serious. (laughs) But uh. You went to art school in San Diego. What? How was that? What, how was that different for you than being in the Bay Area and north of there? Actually, uh, I just needed a break from living in uh, a small town, and so uh, it was very appealing to go uh, live down in Southern California for a while. Um, and so I went to uh, the Advertising Arts College down in uh, San Diego. It was in Mira Mesa, uh-huh. and uh, about a year through my um, about a year through college, uh, my school got bought out by the Art Institute of California. And it was funny because I researched schools before I went to the Advertising Arts College, and uh, AI was one school that I didn't want to go to. <laughs> and it just, it just <laughs> and engulfed I ended up you. graduating from, uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, you, went all, you, got, you managed to get all the way through the program then? Because I feel like a lot of people that go through that program leave pretty early, it seems like. Uh, yes, yeah, so I left after two years. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, that's the yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I got my AA degree, and I just said uh, this is not what I want to be doing, uh, and so I left after two years. What was your focus there while you were there? Was it illustration? It was graphic design. I never thought that I could actually make money as an artist. Yeah, it's uh, weird. You but, have to see it first, right? But I loved uh, computers and I loved art, and so I figured ah, it's the same thing. I can do graphic design, and then I'll still be an artist, and I'll make money and um, after I finished school, uh, I got really into doing fine art because that was, um, because that wasn't a job, you know, like yeah. doing the graphic design. That was my, that was my day job. Um, Lex and I were talking earlier about like the difference between having something only in the digital format and then maybe in print form, as opposed to like having a drawing or a painting, like a hard copy of something. Do you find that that's important for you, like to have something that exists 
outside of a digital world being, you know, coming up in that. I know we said kill would be the graphic design. So I assume that having the illustrations, like even like even having illustrations that are hand done, like the preliminary drawings, like pre digital stuff. Yeah. So obviously you got to take it in and do digital junk, but uh, yeah, it's much more satisfying to have an illustration than to create something that takes just as much time, but do it on the computer. You know, there's just not that, um, that same connection to it. Yeah. And it's like, like what I was talking about, like going to a place like Istanbul, like having like feeling, it sounds so hippy dippy to say the energy, but you like can almost feel like the soul in the building. Like it's almost like the wood like soaks up like energy of some sort, like of all the people that have been there. There's a lot of energy that happened. For sure. You know, and like, it's, uh, it's the second largest city in the world. And so being surrounded by 17 million people was just complete insanity. What, I mean, how, did, do you feel like you uh, acclimated yourself? You know, like whenever I go to someplace new, <laughs> it takes at least a week to try to even like get my like sense of bearings. And I always have a sense of like a, a twinge of uncomfortableness just because I like a little bit of fish out of water. Do you get that feeling in traveling? Yeah, this was my first real, uh, my first real experience outside of the country. Um, oh, yeah. Before I had always gone down to Mexico when I was down in San Diego, but I had never really left the country. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, so being there, it took me a couple of days to kind of get uh, just to, just to kind of get used to um, the time difference because it, it was it's, it's a ten hour difference, uh, and so that was a little tough to get used to. Um, and then once I did get my bearings, uh, straight, then, uh, it, it got, it got a lot easier to kind of get around. And, you know, what the trick is, is you eat, um, eat your meals at the time that the, the time frame that you're in. Yeah. Like when everyone eats sure. their meals and you'll get onto the, to the time frame. Yeah. It took me longer to adjust once I got home than it did once I was there. Did you find Carmen San Diego? Do you remember yeah. that? Totally. Where yeah. in the world is Carmen San Diego? Yeah, I love that shit. It was like, wasn't it like a like a computer game first, and then there was like that weird show. There was like it was on yeah, like those floppy disks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Look how much technology has advanced. Yeah, and then there was We're a doing a radio show on the internet right now. <laughs> Carmen San Diego on floppy disks. It was a show on PBS, wasn't it? Yeah, they, I remember the like the lady. She had the long trench coat situation going on. I fucking oh. love that shit. That song was great. I feel like we should pl- like when we go into edit, we should just throw in the Carmen San Diego song. That'll be my closing song. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we all had the lyrics. We could just acapella it. Cause yeah, remember didn't the, the song, like the opening of the show? It was like a bunch of dudes doing an acapella version of it. I don't know. I, don't I feel know. like it was. It was like three black dudes and like some other fellow. Like, I don't remember. Like barbershop quartet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like one would start and it would like escalate. So there'd be like a soprano, a bass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, I feel like Istanbul was part of that song. I don't remember Constantinople and shit. Yeah. Totally, we have to do that shit. What are you working on right now? I know you. You seem to be you doing a ton of shows. I feel like uh, there's a, a lot of group shows going on right now with a lot of really cool work. You got. There are, yeah. I've got uh, three group shows coming up. Uh, actually, they all fall uh, within uh, three days of each other. So oh, it's shit. Of, you know, it's kind of funny. I think there's uh, a bunch of you that are all in the same shows. I think uh, 
John Casey is in a couple with you as well. Yeah, John Casey and I have shown together uh, a couple times uh, in Oakland. Yeah. Good dude. Um, I'm working on a piece uh, for a show that I have in Berkeley coming up in November. Uh, and then uh, I've got another show in uh, Philadelphia uh, at the Arch Enemy Gallery out there. Nice. And then um, I'm also doing a three-man show with uh, Marcos Lafarga and uh, my friend Victor Malagon. Um, and that's uh, at Sacramento State in uh, Sacramento. What type of stuff are you working on? I really like the blocks that you did. I feel like those might be kind of old now. I don't know. Maybe a few years old. But the yeah. the big block installations? I, I did those, those. Uh, right after I finished uh, the Phoenix Theater mural back in May. And so they're still pretty new. Um, I did them for a, a group show down in L.A. And I didn't really uh, consider what I was going to do with them after the show was over. And so now my entire garage is, is full with these giant blocks it'd be rad to see like a huge stack like a building size stack of them all blocked together yeah i have or even like a wall like a wall stacked full of them like but all out of order you know like yeah. like if you did one big design like one big wall painting and then rearranged them i think that shit would be ill that would be pretty cool yeah i um I'm i, not only, quite I sure. only charge 25 dollars for ideas <laughs> no i'm just kidding uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with them right now, but I'm trying to find uh, you know some kind of a tech company or some kind of corporation that has enough room to store them somewhere uh, yeah, to kind of take them on. But uh, do you do you ever feel do you ever try to like aim at people like that like with work? Does that uh, ever seem like a goal? Like I've been thinking about this like the form of like moving into abstraction and like knowing that that's kind of a different type of audience. But I don't think like I I wouldn't make the things for that audience. But like knowing that maybe that that's the like there's a different type of audience. Like like let's say somebody who owns like a hotel that wants to like decorate their spot or whatever, like a hip like new restaurant or something. Yeah, I've like I've coming never, from the graphic design field, you know, like do you right. ever mix it? Um, I haven't. No, I've always kind of dreamt of it, but I've never actually followed through <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the big thing with ideas you actually right. gotta fucking follow through with them unfortunately yeah. <laughs> that's the hard part it so is. easy to just sit in the shower and come up with silly ass ideas every day we right. get high and figure out some shit <laughs> cool man well um i'm glad we got to to sit down and talk it's we're we uh we did two podcasts today so we're running on empty here <laughs> It's been an honor, man. I've been listening to the podcast for a while now, and so it's uh, it's very cool to be a part of it. It's fucking rad to hear, man. It's awesome that uh, that artists are interested in the show, and that it. I don't. I, I was about to say that it helps people, but I won't be so pretentious as to think that it helps anyone. But you know, like obviously, there's some level of enjoyment, or so, you know, I feel like it's most of the time it's uh, we just learn that we're not alone in the shit that we go through, you know, and there's some comfort in that, I guess. Yeah. It's great listening to it while I'm doing art. You know, I mean, I, I get so tired of listening to the radio or listening to music. So it's nice to kind of hear another artist's story, uh, while I'm working on my own stuff. Yeah, man. Well, I'm glad we finally got to, uh, to get you on and, uh, best of luck with the 105 group shows in one day. <laughs> Thanks brother. Appreciate it's it. good. To, at least you get a, sp- spread some work around and just all you know maybe it's maybe it's better to do it that way maybe three group shows is better than one solo show put together uh 
No. I don't know. I think I'd probably rather do the one solo show. Okay, yeah, I think that it's better. But maybe in terms of like getting your name out there more more so. Is that sure. important? I think that becomes important. We were talking is, about yeah. self promotion and how it's, Yeah, it's three different audiences, so yeah, for sure. Yeah. Everyone just needs to get their shit together and get on the same page. That's what I think. <laughs> All right, man. Well let's um where can uh, people find your work and follow you? You're on the internets, the Twitters I am on the internets. The Facebooks. Uh, R-I-C-K-Y-W-A-T-T-S dot com. Instagram, Twitter is all at Ricky Watts. Uh, Facebook is Ricky Watts Art. Follow that shit. Yeah, all right, yeah. brother, let's do internet dap. Bam. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks again. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to shoot the shit with me. All right, Mike. Thank all you. All right, brother. Appreciate take care. Thinks about the world from Reagan to Carolina. She's a sticky finger culture from Berlin down to Belize. Take you for a ride on a snowboat to China. Tell me where in the world is Berlin, San Diego. Watch your back!